Welcome to the third episode of What I Have to Say. As always, I'm your host, Nakala, and I'll be talking about how HBCUs have all of a sudden become a trend because of the recent events within the last year that have happened in the U.S. Considering the event that happened last summer, more Black people and students are finding out that HBCUs are the right answer. While this is great and all, it should not take any social justice movement for Black people to find out that HBCUs are the right option. HBCUs have always been the right options. I have a hard time grasping the reason why so many Black people have an issue with or talk down about HBCUs. They were the only schools that were willing to let us in and educate us. This year, I heard about a student named Curtis Lawrence III. He graduated from high school at 14 and is now headed off to college at the age of 16. He was accepted to and received scholarships from George Washington University, Hampton University, Harvard University, Howard University, Morehouse College, Morgan State University, North Carolina A&T State University, UC Berkeley, University of Chicago, and Yale. Lawrence, however, decided to go to FAMU or Florida A&M University. I saw a post on Instagram and the comments section was disturbing. The negative comments I saw about the college choice he made were sad. The worst part about it was that black people were the main people that were upset that he chose FAMU over the other schools, mainly Harvard and Yale. To make it short, they thought that going to Harvard and Yale would be a better fit because they are better schools and would help him with his future. In their eyes, going to FAMU is a bad choice and is not going to challenge him. Curtis states his reason for picking an HBCU such as FAMU over a PWI. He said, in quote, Then I started looking specifically at HBCUs because I wanted the HBCU experience and to be surrounded by people who are just like me and who are not only black but academically talented. In my opinion, because he is 16, an HBCU will actually be the safest place for him to go. Harvard has been known to be dangerous, and at an HBCU, everyone's going to be looking out for him from his professors to staff to students. They will make it a mission to make sure that he stays on track and stays out of trouble. People on campus will be like his big brothers, sisters, aunties, and uncles. I think that at a PWI, he will be isolated. I say that because there are not a lot of people who would look like him, especially at top PWIs when they accept very few black students. I also think that people will try to mess with him because they would be jealous, but that's just my opinion. Black people should be happy that he chose an HBCU because when he becomes successful, he will be HBCU made, a product of his own positive black environment. That itself will only make us, meaning HBCUs, look better. And as black people, we have to have more pride in our own institutions. That whole idea of thinking that white is better is a problem. It is something that we have been conditioned to believe. We only started mixing with one another because we cannot get what was rightfully ours by being separated. So we had no choice but to mix. People like to forget that white people did not want us in their schools and not want to associate with us by any means. White people would donate money to specifically build HBCUs because once again, they did not want us in their spaces. Andrew Carnegie was a Scottish-American industrialist and philanthropist who was known to give large amounts of money to help build buildings on campuses of historically black college and university. He's the reason why so many HBCUs have a building named after him. Some of the schools that have buildings named after him or have received gifts from him are Johnson C. Smith, Morgan State University, Tuskegee University, Virginia Union, Howard, Fisk University, Cheney, University of Pennsylvania, and Central State University.
just to name a few, and there are probably more HBCUs that have buildings or halls named after him. If a group of people have already decided that they do not want you, then why do black people feel the need to keep going to white people just to show that they are good enough? With that being said, I am going to slightly contradict myself and say that there is nothing wrong with going to a PWI under certain circumstances. But I do have a problem with black people going to PWIs while putting down HBCUs. I understand that some students may get more money from PWI or they may find it be a better fit for some reason. If a PWI gives you a full scholarship, then I say go because we do like free education. However, a student reason to go to PWI should not be because they think that HBCs are not good enough. I am also speaking specifically to black students and people because, to be honest, I could care less about where white students go. Some of the most prominent black leaders and well-known people went to HBCUs. This should not be surprising because who else was going to educate them? Howard alumni include actress Taraji P. Henson, Felicia Rashad, Debbie Allen, Thicker Marshall, who went to their law school, Tony Morrison, Kamala Harris, Chadwick Boseman, Elijah Cummings, and Anthony Anderson. Morgan State alumni include Zora Neale Hurston, Kwasi Fume, Earl D. Graves, and David E. Talbert. North Carolina A&T alumni include Ronald McNair, Jesse Jackson, and Terrence J. FAMU alumni include Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is the second female mayor of Atlanta, Andrew Gillum, Athea Gibson, and Anika Nani Rose. Morehouse alumni include Spike Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, Martin Luther King Jr., Howard Thurman, Raphael Warnock, and Sean King. Spellman alumni include Stacey Abrams, Keisha Knight Pullman, Alice Walker, and Esther Roll. Fisk University alumni include John Lewis, Marion Berry, Ida B. Wells, W.E.B. Du Bois, and Nikki Giovanni. Other well-known HBCU alumni include Wanda Sykes, who graduated from Hampton University, Ian Marceau, and Kenya Burris, who was a producer of Blackish, both graduated from Clark Atlanta, Kama Show graduated with the honors from FAMU, and Gladys Knight graduated from Shaw University. If HBCUs were good enough to get these people to where they are, then they're good enough for you as well. While HBCUs do produce famous people, they also produce regular, everyday, successful people. Now, let's debunk some misconceptions. Some people may use the excuse that black college and university are not as good because they have low graduation rates and high acceptance rates. While these things can sometimes measure how good a school is, I don't think it's a good way to judge HBCUs. Also, the schools that people consider good schools also have high acceptance rates. University of Alabama has an 80% rate, Ole Miss is 88, University of Kentucky is 96, and LSU is 75. Let's compare it to the acceptance rates to the public HBCUs in the same state. Alabama A&M is 92%, Jackson State is 68%, Mississippi Valley State is 65%, Kentucky State is 81%, and Southern University A&M College is 35%. This is a small sample size, but it shows that public HBCUs and public PWIs are not that selective in general. Public schools are run by the state. Their purpose is to educate as many students in that state as possible. However, we don't question how good of a school LSU is or University of Alabama because they have a high acceptance rate. We only question the HBCUs with high acceptance rates. When in reality, some of the rates are lower than we think. Three of the four schools that have the lowest acceptance rates are HBCUs. 
HBCUs have a lower graduation rate, not because students are not capable of graduating or that the school is not capable of graduating students. However, that comes down to finances. The graduation rates are lower because more of their students come from low-income households compared to PWIs. You can be smart and very capable of graduating, but if you do not have the money to pay for tuition, you are not going to graduate. HBCUs have also been severely underfunded, and because of this, they do not have as much free money to give to students because they simply cannot afford it. The reason for a high acceptance rate is because, one, HBCUs give a chance to students that PWIs are unwilling to give a chance to accept and work with. Majority of HBCUs have programs that help students who are close to meeting their enrollment requirements. They work with them over the summer and are put in remedial classes to help them catch up. HBCUs truly want to help students, educate students, and uplift them. What PWI do you know is going to help a student that does not meet the GPA or SAT requirement? Some students simply need someone to take a chance on them, and once that chance is given, they can flourish. I read this story about a young woman who graduated with a 980 SAT and barely had a 2.0 GPA. However, Morgan State University accepted her and gave her a chance. No, this young woman did not drop out. She instead earned three degrees and is now getting a doctorate degree from John Hopkins. This is what HBCUs do. This is why they are needed. This is why we need to stop talking bad about them as if they are second class schools when they are not. Without an HBCU, that young woman would not have her three degrees and would not be working on a doctorate. As for acceptance rates, they also have fewer applicants because the number of black students attending HBCUs are declining and they want to keep their numbers up. So less applicants and with a similar number of spots to fill equals a higher acceptance rate. While HBCUs do turn away students, they want to help as many students as possible. Choosing a school is more than about getting a degree. It's about the experience, the people, and the relationships that you make. If a black student goes to a PWI, they need to make the most out of their experience. It does not make sense to go to PWI and only interact with other black students. Black students that go to PWIs need to find some white friends that have money, parents that have good jobs, or know someone in their field that you can work with. Some people may say that it is shallow and you should have friends that like you for you, but that's BS because white kids do the same thing. They make friends that have connections or friends that know somebody that have connections. If you were only associating yourself with other black people at a PWI, then you wasted your PWI experience. For all of that, you could have just gone to an HBCU. Going to an HBCU is like gaining a new family. My family is full of HBCU graduates and have all described their experience at an HBCU as a family atmosphere. Because at that school, you are more than a number and a face in the crowd. Students who go to PWIs Many large state schools sit in lecture halls with hundreds of people. Your professor barely even knows who you are. But not even at the largest HBCU will you sit in a class with 300 students. Your largest lecture hall might be 100, and once you get into your major, your class sizes will get smaller. You'll have a regular class size like how you had in high school. In this setting, you know who your professor is, and they know who you are. Navigating the world comes down to making connections, and at HBCU, it is easier to make them with your professor because they know you and you know them. You cannot make connections if you have a hard time getting to know the people with connections. HBCUs were also built and catered to directly to Black people. A PWI is not meant to educate Black students. They were built to educate white people. 
black colleges and universities are going to teach you not only what you need to know to succeed in the real world, but they also are going to teach you what you need to know about you as a black person. PWIs are not going to do that, and they never are because they are not meant for black students to attend. I have also heard some people complain about the facilities at HBCUs, and I can understand that argument, but we have to understand why that is. It is not simply because black schools do not want to renovate and build new facilities. It's simply because they are underfunded and not by a little, but are severely underfunded. Let's take Tennessee State, for example. The school is due for a half-billion-dollar payout due to recent findings that the school has been historically underfunded. The state simply withheld its funding since the 1950s. Tennessee State was founded as a federal government-designated land-grant institution. The same thing was done with the University of Tennessee. Under the program, the state is required to match the money into the schools each year. As you can guess, that did not happen. Tennessee State is not the only HBCU to suffer from state withholding funding from them. Recently, Maryland finalized a $577 million settlement to solve the lawsuit that the state underfunded the four HBCUs, Morgan State, Coppin State, Bowie State, and University of Maryland Eastern Shore. While I've only given you two examples, the problem is common. It's a problem that is affecting all HBCUs that are state-funded. That much money makes a big difference, and is the reason why people see so many disparities between HBCUs and PWIs. With that much money, schools can add more programs that may be expensive, but are also in high demand. They can give more scholarships, get and renovate buildings. Instead of judging the school that is underfunded, judge the people that are withholding the funding from the HBCUs. Another ill-advised statement is that HBCUs are expensive and do not give enough scholarship money. I disagree with this because HBCUs give money despite being underfunded, and a lot of them actually have low tuition, mainly for in-state students. I also believe that you cannot expect a large amount of money when you apply to only private HBCUs. If you apply to Spelman College, Morehouse College, and Howard University, and that's it, you are not maximizing your chances to get substantial financial aid. Those three schools are the top of all HBCUs, so you're competing against other candidates that are just as good or better grades than you and need just as much money or more money as you. I think it would help a lot of black students if they applied to a plethora of schools and did more research on schools and requirements for financial aid. I'm doing my own personal search for colleges, and every school that I've looked at, I look at the requirements of what I need to get for a full scholarship. At Alabama State University, you need a 1240 to be eligible to get tuition, room and board, and fees paid for. Not a lot of schools are offering a free college education with a SAT score of 1240. If you apply to Howard, Morehouse, or Spelman, you got in, I'm pretty sure you will get your tuition paid for at Alabama State. Alabama State also makes it possible for students with at least 1100 to get their tuition, fees, and books paid for. Both of those scholarships are renewable as long as you keep your GPA between a certain required threshold. Once again, not a lot of schools are offering a near free education for 1100 SAT score. At Alabama A&M and at Jackson State University, you need at least an 1130 to be eligible for a full tuition scholarship. At those same schools, you need a 1300 for tuition, room and board, 
fees, and a book allowance. Jackson State also has a scholarship that pays for tuition, room and board, and it requires at least a 1,200 SAT score. The above schools that I mentioned are public universities. Public universities in general are going to give more money than private universities. If black students cannot really afford college, then there are other ways to make college more affordable. Think about staying in state, that way tuition is lower, apply to outside scholarships, get a job and save money, take practice SAT tests and study for the test. And although the test is unfair, the test is a way that you can use to help pay for college. I also know that all states do not have HBCU and it may not be an option. Where I live, there is only one public HBCU and the other one is private. And because I know that, I'm looking to see what schools offer out-of-state waivers, have low out-of-state tuition, and I also know that I have to look for more outside scholarships because of this. College is expensive, but as black people, we have to use every resource available to us to get the most out of it. In no way am I saying that college is easy to pay for because it's not. I also don't want to come across as if I just have money to pay for college out of pocket because like most black students, I don't. All I'm saying is that there are ways to pay for college that we often do not think about. There are also plenty of college scholarship opportunities that can be used for first generation students. So if you are a first gen student looking for specific scholarships for you, may be a really good idea. North Carolina schools are also some of the most affordable and still provide a quality education. Elizabeth City State annual cost of attendance for NCAA students was slightly over $15,000 and was $7,600 per semester. Tuition alone is $6,606 per academic school year for NCAA students and was $10,606 for out-of-state students. If that is not affordable, then I do not know what is. Spending this type of money for college is uncommon because most schools do not have tuition and cost of attendance that is that low. These numbers are also from the 2019 to 2020 school year because it was the last year where people were learning in person before COVID started. However, as of now, Elizabeth City State has lowered tuition again and is now $500 per semester for in-state students. If you live in San Carolina, there is no reason why you cannot get a degree if you want one. North Carolina Central was ranked number three for best value online schools in 2021. Fayetteville State was ranked a top best value school in North Carolina in 2020. And North Carolina A&T is ranked the most affordable of North Carolina's top universities by Money Magazine. I recently also did my own calculations on schools because I am preparing to go to college. Grambling State total uh, cost of attendance, which includes tuition, room and board and fees, was $23,654. Winston-Salem was $26,817. Whitman-Cookman was $29,059. And Clark Atlanta was $33,484 per academic school year. Those numbers also included tuition, room, and board, and fees. The cost of college is increasing, but HBCUs are still trying to find a way to make it affordable. Three schools that I just mentioned are below thirty dollars per year, which is for two semesters, and those include tuition, room, and board, and fees. One of those three schools is also private. There are a number of schools that are also less expensive, but we as black people have to do our research because there are over 100 HBCUs, and I guarantee you at least one is a perfect fit. Another myth is that HBCUs do not prepare students for the real world and don't look like the real world. That statement is completely false. According to a report done by Dr. Mary Beth Gasman, in quote, while HBCU students' meeting earnings are less than students at PWIs, the report takes a more holistic approach that shows HBCU students have more upward mobility than students who attend PWIs. HBCU students having a lower medium income should not raise an alarm because 
white people earn more than black people. Also, the majority of HBC graduates are black women who make some of the lowest wages despite what school they go to. Historically, black colleges and universities are more diverse than people like to believe. Black people are not a monolith, meaning we are not all the same. While attending HBCU, you will come in contact with a lot of different type of black people. They will come from different states, grow up in different households, and have different experiences and enjoy different things. Diversity is more than about race. For example, a lot of people do not see black students interested in STEM, but at HBCU, you will meet chemistry, biology, pre-med, and engineering majors. These type of black people will become a common occurrence to see on campus. Honestly, very few schools represent what America looks like. Racially, America is 76% white, 13% black, 19% Hispanic, 6% Asian, and 1% Native American. Let's take UCLA for example. It's a great school, but it does not represent what the real world looks like. It is 22% Hispanic, 20% Asian, 26% white, 3% black, and 12% international. Ohio State is 68% white, 6% black, 7% Asian, and 4% Hispanic. This is how a lot of PWIs will look like with a small percentage difference in a few areas, but the black population does not get that much higher at a lot of white schools. Lincoln University of Pennsylvania is 83% black, 2% white, 3% Hispanic, and 7% unknown. Grambling State, which is in Louisiana, is 87% black, 8% international, 2% white, and 1% Hispanic. This is how much of HBCUs are going to look. Say all this to show that the many reasons that black people come up with to not attend HBCU do not make sense and can be proven wrong. Unless you don't like black people, there is no reason for you not to think about attending or applying to an HBCU. I also want to bring up graduate school and beyond. When we think about HBCUs, we think about the great homecomings and the life of being an undergraduate student. But black schools offer a number of graduate, PhD, and doctorate programs. There are four medical schools. One is Howard University, which is in Washington, D.C., and offers a doctorate of medicine, as well as graduate degrees in biomedical sciences and dual degree options. Meharry Medical College has three distinct schools, offering medicine, dentistry, and graduate of biomedical sciences. Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, offers a doctorate of medicine program, as well as a master of public health program, and graduate degrees in biomedical sciences are also available. Charles R. Dream University of Medicine and Science in L.A. County, California, offers a Master of Public Health in Urban Public Health, a Master of Science in Nursing, and a Doctor of Medicine. HBCUs also offer vet school. Um, the only uh, HBCU offering a DVM, which is a Doctorate of Veterinary Medicine, is Tuskegee University, which is located in Tuskegee, Alabama. However, Delaware State, also known as Dell State, offers pre-vet courses and is one of the best colleges in the country for veterinary medicine. Uh, DSU has also been a leader in the field for over 100 years. The school houses uh, advanced farms and extension programs giving students real-world, hands-on experiences with a variety of farm animals from dogs to cats to cows and horses. Fort Valley State in Fort Valley, Georgia is the second largest school in the state. And FVSU offers two veterinary-related degree programs, veterinary technology and pre-vet. Currently, FAMU also offers two veterinary-focused programs, pre-vet and veterinary technology. The four-year course offered by FAMU is superior to the two-year course offered by vocational schools because of the real-world experience and depth of study available. 
These advantages may put graduates at a real advantage when it's time to apply to vet school or when it comes to searching for jobs. There are also four HBCU law schools. Howard University offers a JD, which is a Juris Doctorate. It also offers a dual degree with a Juris Doctorate and Master's of Business Administration and also a Master's of Law. It was the first HBCU law school established and it graduated the first black female lawyer in 1872. North Carolina Central in Durham, North Carolina. Um, North Carolina Central also offers a dual degree program, meaning that while you're in law school, you can also work on obtaining another professional degree. At Central, you can get a Master's of Business Administration, a Master of Library Science Information, and a Master of Public Administration, in addition to a Master of Public Policy, which is a program that they do alongside with Duke University. Texas Southern University, which is in Houston, Texas, of course offers the Juris Doctorate, but in addition to offering a JD, it offers um, a LLM, which is a Master of Law, in immigration and naturalization law, the school has a lowest cost of attendance in the state of Texas. About 77% are employed within 10 months of graduation, and 81% of students receive a renewable scholarship that pay between 10% and 100% of tuition. Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, offers a Juris Doctorate, a Juris Doctorate, an MBA due degree, and a JD and a MPA, which is a Master's in Public Administration due degree. The school also offers certificates in public law and tax law. I know I just said that there were four law schools, but there are actually six. I forgot about the last two, which is Florida A&M University, which has their law school in Orlando, Florida, which is away from their main campus, which is in Tallahassee. There's also the University of Detroit of Columbia, which is in Washington, D.C. With that being said, I know we give a lot of information, but I say all this because we have to think better about our own schools. We have to do better, and we cannot assume that HBCUs are not good enough because they are good enough. There are over 100 HBCUs for us to choose from, and if you can't find one that fits you, then that's just a you problem. There's definitely a school out there that will help you. It will push you, and it will be nurturing. Hope that what I say will help inspiring college students or college graduates to think about the choices wisely. We also have to block out what we hear from other people and we have to do our own research because HBCUs are affordable, they are diverse, and they do prepare you for the real world. I promise that going to APT will not disappoint. It's going to be everything you hoped for. It's going to be like the show Different World. Also, if you have not watched Different World and you want to go to HBCU, please watch the show because it has changed my life and I think it will change a lot of people's other lives too. Watching this show only further proved that what I believe about APC was true. The community, the family, and everything that you want. This is the end of episode 3 of what I have to say. So now everyone wants to go to HBCU. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it changed your mind, and I hope it gave you perspective about HBCU. In the end, college is your choice, and you have to make the best choice for you. As always, peace.